Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or you can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who still doesn't know why Texas played OU, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Real talk, though, man. Uh, yeah, that 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 we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit, but uh, COVID is a weird time. It is a weird time for sports. Uh, you and I talk about sports during a pandemic, so uh, we are we are uh, at the at the mercy of weird. And that game, for multiple reasons, was weird. But uh, probably probably you know could have skipped it. Who knows? You know. And I'll talk about this in my bang the drum. Uh, this is a spoiler for my bang the drum. But um, six players, six scholarship players is probably not enough for a functional basketball game. Just going to put that out there. But we are uh, we are here to talk about that basketball game. We'll talk about that one. Uh, preview the one that's happening, well, today as you're listening to this. Uh, we'll give you a quick women's basketball update as well. We've got a bunch to down and down the 40. A lot of action happened. A lot of schedules revealed for those diamond sports. Uh, we'll hit the burn orange lenses about some, a couple of things happening in the professional lengths. We'll hit the Godzillatron and we'll close the show out with some bang uh, the drum. So the Texas Longhorn men's basketball team has not been on the court since this time last week. They played a ill-advised game. I'll just go ahead and say it against the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, in spite of missing, I believe, three scholarship players and a head coach. They were down to six, I think was the full complement of scholarship players, plus the walk-ons as well, which is... They, they, they got up to eight the day before the game, but for three days prior to the game, they practiced with three scholarship players. That's not even enough to run... I guess you can run a three-man drill, but that's about the extent of the practicing you could do with scholarship players. Ridiculous. You- you know what practice was for those ga- days? It was a game of twenty-one. You remember twenty-one from the from the uh, the driveway basketball courts? That's what they played. Absolutely. You know what? Absolutely, if Gerald. A quick aside. I, I need to ask you this. I'm actually I'm, I'm 
curious, and listeners, please hit us up. I got a call three days ago from a friend of mine. He's from El Paso, Texas. I don't hold that against him, except he and his brother, he was home in El Paso, uh, rest in peace to his grandmother, a wonderful, beautiful soul. He called me because he and his brother were disputing. He hit a shot. His brother, or excuse me, his brother hit a shot, then he hit the shot. His brother doubled down, shot the same shot again, made it, and then he missed it. Gerald, how many letters in that scenario does a person get in horse? If you double down, you should get double the letters, correct? So, yeah, you you made it. They made it. You made it again, so they miss it. So there is an argument. I would say that's still one, but there is an argument, and I completely understand it, that it that it, it should be two. And that, that was my friend Phil's argument. His brother was saying that it should be three because I – I don't really understand. I think he has some kind of force multiplier. I, I'm going to be honest. It, I don't understand El Paso horse rules. If any of our listeners from El Paso can tell us that this is a, a – I mean, look, beer pong, everyone did has you, their own house rules. I get it, but this is weird. This is weird. Did you lock – did you call multi-ball or something? Like, what's the what, – did you like, – Did you, the, the last ball on the rack, you had the, the, the red the and blue uh, striped? Yeah, I, I, I don't yeah. – I truly don't know. I can't figure it out. Like, I, I was baffled because I was team – that's one. It doesn't matter. You cancel out, yeah. and then you go – you start over again, like, and you, you missed, and you get one letter. Like, if, if – like, I've seen where like you make a difficult shot and you call a double or nothing. Like I've seen that in a horse game. I've experienced sure. that where it's like sure. we're taking one from the corner on one foot. Like we want to, we want you know what we'll call it double. We want to end this thing, right? You're just like, hey, I got recess is over. Let's try to end this thing. That's it, and I get it. Horse is only five letters. If you're knocking three of those out in one like 60%. shot, that's nuts. Maybe you're playing Caballo. Maybe you're playing Spanish. You get a couple extra letters. I don't know how they play it in El Paso. I've been out there. It's beautiful. Uh, I've played on their very home court in El Paso, Texas, the Navoa driveway court. I get it. I do not understand these rules. I just, sorry, quick aside, you were talking, I don't know if it was anything related to that, but uh, 21, I guess. But yeah, just ridiculous. Driveway basketball took Kyle on a journey. (laughs) That's why you're all here. No, so um, Texas, again, had a skeleton crew for most of the week. Uh, Got up to eight players uh, the day before the game. I think Big 12 rules is you got to have six scholarship players, I think is the number, which is absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Um, So Texas still managed to play within one point in – you know, I'm not a blame the officials guy, but that was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen in my entire life. And it was bad for both ways, so it wasn't like um, Texas was extra, like, they were just bad officials. And I, I don't know if it just the officiating was somewhat okay in football, so they're trying to make up for it in basketball. But Texas <laughs> falls just one spot to number six. Um, after their Saturday matchup against Kentucky was canceled due to air quotes COVID, aka Kentucky's ducking us. That's okay. They scared. They scared. Um, but Texas now has a massive, massive matchup against the number two Baylor Bears after being off for a week and finally getting back to full strength, including a head coach. So there's a lot to look at for this game. It's a real pivotal matchup, but I think we'll see. Uh, I mean, there's no think about it. We'll see what this team is made of against arguably one of the best, not arguably like one of the, the, if not the best teams in the country. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. I've been saying it all year and and you know, it pains me uh, to ever admit this, but they they are a national championship contender in the realest of ways. Um, They've proved to be better on the offensive side of the ball than I thought they would be. I knew they were elite, probably the best defensive team in the country. Um, I mean, if, if UT can, 
somehow win this. And again, it's a home game. Like let's, let's not pretend this is unwinnable. Um, but if they could win this home game, this should be uh, the toughest one on the schedule. Because remember, Baylor also ducked us the first time uh, with the game in Waco, and that was, uh, I believe, canceled. It was postponed, but has not been rescheduled. Um, so if they win that, um, there is a you know a, a legitimate chance to a Big Twelve title uh, for UT because Baylor has some a really tough schedule coming up with with Tech OU back to backs against West Virginia. There's there's a there's a loss somewhere in there I would think. Uh, hope I mean hopefully it seems seems likely for Baylor, but that that's not to to in any way knock down how good Baylor is because they are they are elite. I mean I, I talked about it in the in the in our season preview about how many like national you know all-american or defensive player of the year or, or first team defense type players are on this team and they're they're rife with them but it'll be very curious because texas has played pretty well against like guard heavy teams and baylor isn't the biggest team um so again texas has to play to that advantage to that matchup and 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 you know another one of those jericho sims doesn't get any plays ran for him but still has 17 points and, and 13 rebounds type of games that you know i'll feel pretty good but there, there are some things that i think texas can do i think this will be a close one um i think baylor will rightfully and obviously be favored but i do think that there's a lot to like again especially a home game texas feeling like you know that oklahoma game shouldn't have been played maybe having a chip on their shoulder and having something to prove having shaka back uh, again remember he wasn't able to coach kt turner uh, coach the OU game. So I think um, this one should be really close um, and, and really good. If you only watch one UT basketball game all regular season, this is probably the one. Yeah, this one or the makeup one in, in a couple of weeks, I think, are probably your two best bets. Uh, but Baylor's just like – there's no other way to say Baylor's just a really good basketball team. Now, I think uh, – I'm just going to say this, and this may be the hot hottest take I've ever spit on this – uh, I think Scott Drew, much like Mac Brown in in the national championship years, has recruited this um, this championship caliber team rather than coach them up. I think um, all all things even, I think there are probably some significantly better coaches in the country than than Scott Drew. But he's got them playing as good as I've seen Baylor play in a very long time, which is weird to say because Baylor's been good for, for quite a few years now. They've at least been, you know, in the top, you know, 10 or 15 teams in the country for a lot of these years, but they're like crazy efficient on the offensive side. I think they're number three in the country. They're crazy efficient on the defensive side of the, the floor as well. They're number six in the country in defensive efficiency. So it's not, they're not like the Texas tech team. that's going to smother you with defense and just out ugly you, right? They're not, they're not that team. They can be that team, but they're just going to beat you on both ends of the, both ends of the court, which is scary to think about because, you know, Texas is a really good team, and when they're aggressive, uh, they've got the size and they've got the athleticism to, I think, jump with and run with anybody, um, but they've struggled against the zone this year, and that's the thing that I'm, you know, it's not hard to watch the the film and see when you play man against Texas, they're going to lob you to death and they're going to get down low and beat you. If you play zone, they have trouble getting into the painted area where they find their success, and so... If I could see that, Scott Drew could probably see that as well. So <laughs> I, that's the thing that scares me. They're a crazy, efficient defensive team, and if they play zone, I don't know how. I don't know how aggressive Texas is going to be able to be, uh, which is where they really find success. Yeah, and I think look, going back to that Oklahoma game, if Oklahoma was even decent at free throws because they shot, I think, one hundred and thirteen of them in that Texas game, They're still shooting that, free throws. 
Yeah, that's a blowout. Baylor is a good free throw shooting team. They're an even better three point shooting team. But luckily, you know, the free throws notwithstanding, because, you know, Texas can't get in foul trouble again, especially, you know, they need to keep their advantage with the bigs inside the paint. Um, but, you know, if, if they they are pretty good, one of the better teams in the country at opponent three-point percentage. So I think if Texas can chase all those Baylor guards off of and not give them good looks and keep good rotations, um, but not, you know, hack then on the on the uh, rotation ball where someone gets gets going to the lane. Um, you know, I, I, I like their chance. I, I think they match up relatively well, again, assuming they can use that size advantage. And, and you know, Baylor's leading rebounder has six rebounds a game. They don't have anyone um, like Greg Brown. They don't have anyone like Jericho Sims. I mean, they, they, they don't even have a Kai Jones. I mean, not many people do, honestly. But, um, you know, I, I'm saying a, a, a probably more stretch, not as much banger big, but a guy who can still do it if need be um they they don't really have that you know so i i am i'm curious to see I, I also don't think you know that if you and i know this that baylor doesn't so they'll have a game plan for it and they, they've had a game plan all year for other teams who've tried that but they haven't played west virginia again one of the best bigs teams in the country they're, they're playing texas for the first time so i'll be curious i think if there is a chance to show a chink in baylor's armor uh it, it might be this and in texas i would be very happy if they were the team to to exploit that yeah, and again, I think it's much like we saw there were a couple of teams in the Big 12 during football season that were like, we're the best defensive team in the nation, and they hadn't played any of the good offenses, and, and Texas and OU both exploited them late, and I think that's probably something we'll continue to see, um, hopefully on the basketball court, because I think that's what Tech was this defensive juggernaut, and Texas hit their season average in the first half, so I think when Texas is on... Tech, there are very few teams in the in the country that can run with them and jump with them. I think Baylor, it just happens to be, I think, one of the teams that could potentially put the clamps on. I, I, I think, again, Tech's defense is probably a little overrated based upon the teams they've played. And I think Baylor, they they could, right? They could, but they very well just could be as good as advertised. And they, it could actually be uh, the real deal. So I'm, I'm that's, the, that's the thing I want to watch is... is has Baylor feasted on the lesser teams or is Baylor really one of the nation's elite? And I think the answer is yes, which is which is problematic because I think Texas is in that second tier, which is fine, but this may this Vegas has this as five and a half, which seems fair. Yeah. But I could see it going the other way too. Baylor whipped a really good Illinois team early on. They they missed Gonzaga, the number one team, one and two, the huge matchup at the beginning of the year. They missed Texas early on. They postponed a West Virginia game. Uh, they beat Tech and Kansas back-to-back, back-to-back ranked games. But that Kansas win, and even Texas's version as well, isn't looking quite as hot now as it did at the time. So, again, it, it doesn't necessarily, you're right, feel like they have um, just been, you know, dominating champions. Um, and, 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 you know, Texas will be, up to this point, the best team that Baylor has played. So they have... They, Baylor is going to want to prove something too. So these are two teams that will have a lot to prove, and Texas will have a bad taste in its mouth, and, and Shaka a uh, you know a, a a rage in his in his curls uh, up top that that I'm only hoping will be something close to Super Saiyan. Continue to get there. So we'll find out 
um, you all of us will find out Tuesday night, which is the day that you're listening to this. So on the women's side, Texas uh, had a just we're just going to go and say it, a pretty ugly showing against Oklahoma State early in the week, but rebounded with a 72 to 53 shellacking of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, thanks in part to the Herculean effort. Charlie Collier just keeps um, up one upping herself and, and the Texas defense uh, tried to match. Uh, match pace and, and continue the the tone that she sets. Man, when when Charlie Collier is on, there's nobody in the country I think that can that can run with her. Like there's nobody in the country I think that really matches up as well um, as a big than Charlie Collier. She's averaging eighteen and a eighteen point eight rebounds over her last four games. She's had twenty rebounds twice in that span, and and she's just you know doing things that. No one in the country is doing leading the country in double doubles. I mean, a 30 20 game, basically 30 and 19 in this one with two steals and a block. Um, that's just like, that's really good. That's, that's, you know, lottery or number one draft pick. Good. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, every matchup is does this team have something for, for Charlie Collier? And if they don't, get it quickly or get her into foul trouble has really been uh, the, the one kind of the biggest uh, um, success for other teams. Uh, and this one opened up 19 0 run for Texas. So they clearly didn't uh, get her in trouble early or any of the Texas team, but uh, shout out to Celeste Taylor as well. Uh, you know, Collier had 19 rebounds, but she also had 11 had a double double. So, uh, you know, you like to see someone else stepping up on the glass there in Texas, just owning the paint. And obviously our girl, Kyra Lambert, just filling out the stat sheet, 11.6, rebounds five assists in that tech game so i'm excited um I, i'm looking for consistency with this team it's it's less about the peaks and the valleys and it's it's more um about just just finding whatever that plateau is and finding that consistency uh repeating it and kind of you know getting that recipe uh put in the bag so that they can they can pull it out and, and we know kind of what their their season trajectory can look like you know, it's been up and down these last there's no other way to say it right they've literally i think been up and down um they had a, a back-to-back wins against T. TCU and Iowa State, but then again, up and down, up and down, win, loss, win, loss. And so they've got an opportunity to, to generate some consistency in the back half of the schedule. Uh, they get they get OU, a tough OU matchup this weekend, and I'm curious to see. Or they get a tough OU matchup on Wednesday. I think that's going to be interesting to watch. They've got uh, OU, West Virginia, OSU, and Baylor are the next four. So I think you can, you can try to generate some solid um, – solid momentum in the back half of the schedule heading into uh, theoretically what will be the Big 12 tournament um, because the earlier season matchup against OU was postponed and I think just like the men's side they're debating on do we have the tournament or do we just make up all these games that teams missed and do a regular season situation so uh, it's going to be interesting to see oh yeah for sure for sure I'm I'm I hope Schaefer lost to AM already this year, and I know he doesn't want to lose both of those games in the same season, so he's going to have something for OU, and I hope Charlie Collier does as well. Heck, they held a two-time All-American and Vivian Gray scoreless for almost the first 20 minutes of the game, so let's hope they just uh, bring that nasty on the defensive end and, and just blanket OU, and, and, and hey, we'll all be happy. Just feed Chuck down low. Can we call her Chuck? I feel like you can call it. Can we're just going to go with Chuck for her as well. I think you can. Yeah, I, I have a uh, – I don't think I'm officially the godparents. I don't know if they've announced it yet. Uh, Charlotte, uh, one of my wife's good friends who I um, started calling, you know, uh, Charlie from Charlotte and then quickly from, from Charlie to Chuck. And I think it, it is a unique nickname. I got there the same that you did, Gerald, and I think I'm the only one in that 
you know, a little girl's life who calls her um, Chuck. She's not old enough to really reject it yet, so I'm trying to make it stick. So I, I personally 100% agree with that logic, and, and I'm here for Chuck Chuck Collier. I'm, I'm down with it. So, again, Texas takes on OU on Wednesday, first matchup with the Sooners of the season after the, uh, the earlier season, the first half uh, game was postponed due to COVID issues. It is on the road. Texas struggles on the road this year. They're two and three away from home, 10 and one in Austin. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. So now's the part of the show where we jump into all of the other news that's newsy around campus. I couldn't come up with another way to say that. And we down the 40. We got schedules for the Diamonds, both the men and the ladies. The men is still a little bit of a work in progress. They're uh, still announcing games, but I think we got the full season schedule for the ladies. The On the baseball Diamond, we got the full Big 12 schedule plus the State Farm College Baseball Showdown. At the Rangers' new aluminum ballpark. I don't, what is that thing made of? Is it steel? <laughs> it looks aluminum to me, but it is what it is. Um, Corrugated aluminum. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. I don't know. It <laughs> it looks like one of those like those foil dishes you buy for like Thanksgiving dinner, so you don't have to do dishes afterwards. That's just how <laughs> the lasagna feel. pan of, exactly. of of stadiums. I get you. <laughs> you're feeling me. You're feeling me. It's it's mac and cheese at Thanksgiving. The February nineteenth, twentieth, sure. and twenty first, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Ole Miss, respectively. Uh, Monday, they announced a mid or mid week. Um, series with the South Carolina Gamecocks, Arch 12, 13th, and 14th. Um, Texas will travel to Columbia next year. Texas is playing home this year, so a nice home and home with an annual power. I think they're number 18 in the country. Then we got Big 12 starting on March 19th, running all the way through May 22nd. All weekend series for the baseball team in Big 12 play. Um, that creates an easier COVID testing situation and COVID um, isolation situation. So Baylor OU uh, at Baylor, home against OU, at Kansas, home against Kansas State, at number 20, Oklahoma State, and then at home against number three, Texas Tech, at number 10, TCU, and then they close out theoretically the regular season May 20th through 22nd at, or excuse me, at home against West Virginia. So I said theoretically because if they have to postpone a series, right. they will likely tack it on to the end like they're doing in basketball. Makes perfect sense. But uh, the beginning is what I'm really interested in. They're opening with three top two. They're, they're opening with the four basically best SEC teams in the country. They're playing three of them in Arlington with number seven, Mississippi State, number eight, Arkansas, number six, Ole Miss. Like if you want to test yourself opening up, you go three and oh against that, you know, schedule all of a sudden number nine, Texas baseball looks like number two, Texas baseball. Right. And then, you know, you have a couple weeks off and then you take on number 18, South Carolina. So just looking for a chance to whack down the, the SEC to start, which is, which is incredible. Um, but there's some really key games on this one. I think that Oklahoma state game you mentioned in April at, uh, or in Stillwater will be a big one. I'm I'm excited they get Tech at home uh, at the beginning of May, and then you know TCU 
towards the end of the year there's some good arms those those TCU and Texas just loaded with with pitchers on both so that that that's going to be a really good showdown especially the end of the year when both teams should in theory uh be sharp and so that'll be a really good one towards the end to close out uh there so um exciting baseball in the Big 12 is is the past couple years gotten really exciting there's there's a lot of depth around and and Texas right there at the top of the heap it feels like the Big 12, like Big 12 and the SEC are the two best conferences in baseball by far, it feels like. where I think by the end of the year, you're going to see a ton of teams from both those conferences uh, in the tournament. As, ma- as many teams allowable, I think, from both of those conferences. Um, as, again, you've got, what, three in the top, four in the top 25 from the SEC. And I think you've got three in the top, or four in the top 25 from the Big 12 as well. So, like, it's just... The baseball is going to be so good this year. I'm so excited. Like I, I, I don't know if I've been that, this excited for a baseball season uh, in quite some time. Yeah, you should be. I mean, they, they're they're loaded in the bullpen, loaded in the outfield, loaded all over. We'll do a little preview. They started practice. Uh, today when you're listening to this or actually yesterday we're recording on monday they started today technically their their practice and i mean it's it's three weeks away so less than three weeks it's two and a half weeks away so we are uh we're, we're right there we'll, we'll give you a little preview of the baseball team coming up here but we're excited yeah so right across the street at uh, mccombs field we also got a softball schedule announced uh speaking of mccombs field they open the season february 11th through the 14th at mccombs field hosting the texas classic where they have like five games which is crazy so uh arizona alabama colorado state alabama again in sam houston state all in that weekend uh it's a thursday through sunday so i mean it's a it's a baseball weekend right baseball starts on thursday and runs through sunday it's a weekend um february 17th against north texas then they go to the tracy beard invitational february 19th and 20th uh they host the lone star invitational the 26th through the 28th against lamar mississippi state yukon and old miss they've got um houston start of march lsu and uh a two-game series against them uh, over the weekend. They play Corpus, ta- uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi again. Tarleton State in a doubleheader. Uh, McNeese State, Louisiana in a doubleheader on the 17th. New Mexico on March 19th through 20th. Um, the Bevo Classic, which I think is great. They're hosting like three tournaments this year. Um, a lot of Texas directional schools, UT Arlington, UTSA, and San Diego State. And then they have six weekend Big 12 series from April 1st through May 6th. And then again, theoretically, they could go past that if they have to reschedule a couple. But um, this is another team that, in spite of the losses that they took over the offseason, losing uh, easily the best pitcher in the country, they're still a team that's going to be really good uh, and has a lot of potential heading into a packed season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're they're a top ten team even without Miranda. I think they with her they were a you know a top three or four team. Uh, I, they still have arms. They still have talent. They, there's you know the conference is there for the taking. OU obviously be good. There's a couple good teams in there, but um, you know we're we're talking about we're talking about top top 10 teams here when we talk about uh baseball we talk about men's basketball right now but softball we're going to talk about a couple others here we remember we're, we're talking top 10 teams and that's fun and that's exciting and uh there's going to be some must watches in that schedule you just listed out and, and it, this will be a, a true uh gauge of just how elite a coach um coach mike white is and, and i think uh i think he's going to prove himself up to the challenge yeah i think he absolutely 
Will. So on the tennis court, uh, number four men's team uh, dropped a tough one against Baylor. Uh, 4-1, I think, was the final in that. Um, Texas didn't even get the doubles point, which sucked. Uh, but then they beat Arizona State 4-3. to Kind of, It was just kind of a weird, shaky weekend for them. Um, but they have a doubleheader against Incarnate Word and Texas A&M Corpus Christi uh, as their last tune-up before the ITA national team indoor next weekend. Uh, the number three women's tennis team swept Baylor and then held out against OU 4-3 to to move to a perfect 5-0 and on the season. They actually have the ITA national team indoor championship this weekend uh, in Stillwater. The opponents have yet to be announced. I was just thinking about it when I was looking at that number three number next to them. Texas had the number one recruiting class last year, and so I looked up their current recruiting class. Even though they only have two signees in it, they're currently sitting at number seven this year. So, I mean, it's no joke that the, the men's and women's tennis teams are both national championship hunting, and that doesn't seem to be changing any time in the near future. They, they keep winning. They keep getting, you know, they're getting elite transfers, and then they're getting incredible recruiting classes. So, I mean, they, they – um, the, the the tennis center uh, just off the 40 acres is the epicenter for college tennis, um, you know, at least in the south, if not the country right now. So uh, good things here. Excited for the indoor national championships for both men and women. I think, uh, I think let's add some more titles. Keep the banners coming on the uh – Track and field side, the Texas Tech Invitational was this weekend uh, representing number 11, newly announced on Monday, men's team. Leo Nugbauer uh, won the heptathlon uh, thanks to the strength of his wins in the long jump, shot put, and pole vault, which I feel like no human being should be good at all three of those. <laughs> I feel like three completely different skill sets, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, he actually won the conference uh, indoor heptathlon. He actually won the indoor heptathlon for the Big 12 a year ago. Texas, in that event, also had the fourth and fifth place finishers. And in her first collegiate pentathlon, Christine Blazveka finished second at the Texas Tech Invitational. Uh, she had a great weekend as well, representing the number five women's team in the country. On the golf side, uh, the ladies are actually in action, probably as you're listening to this currently. Uh, they sit in third place after uh, play was suspended due to darkness at the Trinity Forest Invitational. That's a weird thing about starting the golf season before daylight savings time is that you end up having to play like a round and a half in a day. Things get weird. Um, Agatha Lasney is the low longhorn. She's tied for five. Um, it even with... Uh, with seven holes left to play in round two, Texas sits five shots back of Oklahoma State, who's at number two. Uh, there's only one team at the tournament, Baylor, who is under par on the day. And on the football field, we got a couple of quick football announcements. Um, Notre Dame edge rusher Ovi Ogufo is what we're going with. Uh, announces his transfer to Texas, a three-star out of high school, uh, looking to find a place to play. He'll have two years of eligibility coming to Texas. He, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? He's going to slot in and play play Jack. As we as we asked Sam uh, Acha when he was on the podcast to name his Nigerian Texas football playing Mount Rushmore, um, you know, is, is Joseph Osai, I think, made his way onto that uh, that pantheon. You know, it makes sense if you're you know a Nigerian edge rusher. Where do you go? You go go follow Arakpo, Acho, uh, and now Osai. That's the pipeline. I mean, I love my Polynesian big boys on the offensive line, but get me Nigerian edge rushers, baby. Bring them all to Texas. So 
couple of guys that are staying home uh, out of Austin Westlake, the state championship team. Uh, preferred walk-ons, uh, defensive back Michael Taffy and running back Zane Miners committed to Texas uh, this week in there's a lot you can say about Tom Herman and the negative, but the way he beefed up that preferred walk-on program uh, is quite impressive. I don't think he's going to continue to benefit Texas. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and uh, Coach Zajac himself will walk on at UT and a guy who stays plugged into UT events. Uh, excited by that move. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited myself uh, for both of those. Let's keep the, the hometown talent. If you're good, you went to school in Austin, like, like Travis, Westlake, Wherever you went, you know, we, no more Garrett Wilsons. If you're if you're a talent and you're in the city of Austin, come to Texas. Why would you ever go anywhere else? It's all gas, no brakes. I mean, you're 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 three minutes away. Mom will do your laundry. It's come on. There's nothing better. Just stay home. Now I'm glad miners came to Texas, but as much as I love the University of Texas, passing up a scholarship to Yale, I I mean, I'm glad. He's talented. He looked really good in some of those state games. But, like, it's Yale for free. Like, it's not a bad decision uh, to go either way. Don't let me – don't don't second-guess yourself. But you know what? Yale's a pretty decent school. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. Anytime we ever lose a kid to Stanford, it's like, eh, I, I get it. Um, if you can find a academic school that's better than Texas, it's hard to do. But I don't blame a kid for it. Uh, if he would have chosen – to go to Yale, I wouldn't have been mad at him, but hey, Texas is, is basically the Yale of the South. I know Rice, all the, the Rice heads who are listening to this are going to be very, very upset, but I think they call themselves the Harvard of the South, so we'll be the Yale of the South, just, you know, 300 times bigger, but uh, it's pretty good too, Gerald. It's pretty good. Now, uh, some sad news. We saw, we saw Keontae Ingram put his name in the transfer portal um, earlier in the year. Uh, he announced via Twitter that he will be transferring uh, to USC, which is becoming a little bit of West Coast, Texas. Uh, I think <laughs> took a couple of coaches and they decided, you know what? Uh, the last time we played for a national championship, Texas beat us. So if we're going to get back there. We got to get some of these Texas kids. Uh, so Keontae Ingram follows Xavier Alford out there to the West Coast. And again, if you're going to leave Austin, like I, I, there are guys that leave Austin and go to like downgrade places. L.A. is one of the few places that I'm like, if you're if you're going to try to upgrade a city or at least stay on par with the city, uh, L.A. is one of the few spots you can. It's basically just all of Texas coaching staff and players wanting to play with Brew McCoy. Um, and so following him out there, we all know that. I'm kidding, obviously. But uh, you're right. LA's an, an easy sell. Um, I'm perfectly fine if a couple, you know, we swap a couple kids and bring a five star or two from California back this way. Uh, again, I, I think about the different timeline if DeGabriel Floyd is healthy out of um, California and how good he would have been for Texas, but I'm cool. Like we, we could switch a little. I wish Keontae all the best. I think he was a great longhorn. Um, his brother or his, you know, he still has family playing at Texas. And so, you know, I, I think um, the connection is, it's not a, it's not a, a bad one, uh, a relationship there. I mean, the, the emergence of Bijan is, is tough for, for anyone who shares a position and has aspirations for the NFL. So uh, go get yours, go, go run all over pac 12 defenses. I get it. Just when you're out there, tell a couple local five-star kids in the neighborhood that they should head back Texas way. I would be okay with it. All right, Gerald. So now a time for taking a burnt orange set of frames and taking a look at the world out there. Burnt orange lenses. Uh, I talked about, Nigerian Ed Rush and, and, and the woefully didn't mention Alex Okafor. And that Alex Okafor is playing in a Super Bowl, Gerald. Three tackles in the AFC Championship game. He will be the lone Longhorn representative. So I will be rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs. Gerald, who you got in the Super Bowl? 
Uh, as a lifelong Dolphins fan, I cannot bring myself to cheer for a team with Tom Brady on it, uh, especially also one that highlights Aggies prominently on offense. So Kansas City's the easy choice. There it is. That makes perfect sense to me. A, a favorite Longhorn, a guy that I feel like we don't talk about enough, but you and I both love. Uh, Longhorn legend Ryan Krauser, the reigning 2016 Olympic gold medalist, set a new shot put world record at the American Track League uh, meet at the Randall Tyson Track Center. Krauser broke the record on his first attempt, throwing it uh, 22.82 meters. That seems like a lot. Uh, a full six uh, six and a quarter inches further than the, the record that had stood since 1989. So if they have Olympics, maybe, I think I heard it might not happen in Japan in 2020, which is now 21. Uh, we'll see, but he is a favorite to, to win gold there. Uh, you know, you hate to see it not happen just for the sake of a Longhorn not winning another gold, but also, you know, it's the Olympics, man. Did we put him on our Mount Rushmore? I'm pretty sure we, we did. did. I think we did a Texas track Mount, Mount Rushmore. You're absolutely right, and he was on there, and, and rightfully so. Yeah, one of, one of the goats at, at the University of Texas. I love that. Good call. That's, that's good on you, Gerald. So uh, a little NBA news out there. Uh, the KD for MVP uh, campaign is heating up early. Uh, James Harden obviously went up there to, uh, you know, shine Kevin Durant's shoes in Brooklyn. Uh, no, he's, he's you know, pretty good himself. But uh, Kevin Durant is just torching the league. He's the second leading scorer, just a, a smidge behind uh, off the top. He's first in the league in fourth quarter scoring. The dude is, uh, is proving clutch this year. He scored over 20 in every game he's played, and he's doing all kinds of ways. He's shooting. He's getting to the rim and dunking. He's playing some defense. Uh, Nets aren't playing a lot of defense, but he's playing some himself. Um, I, I, you know, it took a big blow to my heart that, that – the Nets basically in the Harden trade have their Longhorn contingency, um, but uh, nonetheless, I'm still very excited about the KD story. And in other Longhorn one and done news, I feel like every time I open Twitter and see a, a Jackson Hayes highlight, and I just assume he's averaging 15 points a game, but he's averaging like three. Uh, but he every one of those points, baby, he gets him on Sports Center. He had a ridiculous like. 360 alley-oop that was thrown to him that he adjusted in midair and then slammed over his head. Just the guy's doing ridiculously mind-bogglingly athletic things. Those are two human beings who it's hard to imagine that, that they and I are actually like of the same flesh bones and genetic sequencing. The Longhorns of the NBA are rather impressive. I think the one that that's caught my eye, um, Jared Allen. I feel like he's on, I feel like he's doing that thing where, um, you, you go through a breakup and then you, you try to get super fit right after that breakup to be like, you know what? You dumped the wrong one. Literally um, <laughs> Monday evening, uh, he went up for like just an absolutely ridiculous like video game alley-oop um, against the Timberwolves. And the Timberwolves aren't a very good basketball team, but uh, he looked really good going above the rim. Yeah, and I, I would have said that Miles Turner was my dude because he's putting up like a uh, a defensive player of the year type season and has actually recently been on a decent – uh, solid offensive tear, even with a, a fractured hand. Um, but he did have some struggles after talking some mess to the the seventy, uh, the uh, Joel Embiidless, I should say, seventy sixers. Um, so uh, I'm gonna leave it for for a week when when he uh, backs up everything. Um, but he, uh, he he's had a really 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 good season, and uh, I've been catching myself checking Pacers scores more than I ever thought I would in my lifetime. One one more uh, basketball news to the women's side. Uh, women's basketball. 
uh, alum, Ariel Atkins, one of the 19 invited to the USA Women's National Team camp. Again, we've highlighted her as one of the single best defenders in the WNBA, um, and so an asset to any team. Assume she will make the squad there and uh, continue to, to rep the, the – you were talking about Longhorns, started it with Krauser, finishing it with Atkins on the national stage. So, Gerald, let's, uh, let's move it now to the Godzilla Tron, talk about what we are watching on our giant screens at home. Uh, so there is a TNT show called Snowpiercer. That's kind of a, a take up of the uh, 2013-ish uh, Snowpiercer film. So my wife and I started watching the, the show together, and it's, I'll call it good. Uh, I wouldn't classify it as like prestige TV or anything, because, you know, it's got the crime procedural thing that people eat up on TNT, which is nothing wrong with it, but it's got David Diggs, which uh, as soon as I told my wife who the star was, she was like, yeah, well, I'll watch that, uh, because <laughs> she's she, like, if I hear the Hamilton soundtrack going, I know she's cooking, so I'll get excited. Uh, there's going to be a Pavlovian response at some point. <laughs> when I hear the Hamilton soundtrack, I'll start drooling. Uh, but I, I went back and I rewatched the movie because I hadn't seen it since in, in six or seven years. And, oh, my gosh, that's a masterpiece. Like, I mm. the there's nobody that does, like, social satire better. I mean, it was right in the middle of Chris Evans being Captain America, and so that was, like, an interesting thing, and you got to kind of see, like, his actual feelings about things, and it was just, it was, it's a good watch. It doesn't really try to hide what the message it's trying to communicate about, you know, classism and the fallacy in class warfare and in thinking of yourself as belonging to a class, because really, I mean, we saw it with all of the, Wall Street stuff that happened this last week. Um, it's all kind of just weird, and, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, and then I, um, I've been in this mode where I, I, I don't want to think a whole lot when I'm like, again, the the movies I watch let me think a little bit, and, and I think a lot for work. So uh, I, I downloaded Madden. It was free over the weekend, and it felt good to turn my brain off and just play a little football. Uh, and they have this like face of the franchise mode where I got to be the quarterback at the University of Texas and win a national championship, which was really nice. So we were, you know, the only thing that kind of irked me about that is that for some reason the Seahawks drafted me in the first round and I'm like this that doesn't make any sense you guys you guys have a guy already but uh it was fun to see Texas in the playoff piloted by the fake quarterback I made with a ridiculous uniform what was your quarterback's name because mine was always Vince Howard I actually went with uh Vince Young is what I went with it Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's even, even better. Vince Howard was basically Vince Young, but copyright. Um, so I, I, I get it. Um, that's amazing. No, uh, it makes sense though. That actually tracks because you know, their GM loves, uh, loves getting longhorns up there. So it's somewhat realistic, uh, building for the future post Russell Wilson. No, um, that's great, Gerald. I, so I, um, actually watched a couple things, I think widely on the opposite of the spectrum. I don't even know. I'll find a way to link these two. Uh, but first I watched the, on HBO, the Bee Gees documentary. And let me say this, my wife recommended it. And I was kind of surprised, you know, like you like the Bee Gees. Oh, okay. And then, you know, I realized like, yeah, the Bee Gees are basically just soul music that every person, you know, likes. They, they obviously were heavy disco, but there was so much that I did not know about the Bee Gees. Like I didn't realize they were basically Beatles big like they were so huge like this just just unbelievably big there was a a a a younger brother who was kind of not really a BG but sometimes was a BG and he himself was uh was um, another Gibb I think Aaron Gibb was was like a um 
a star and had number one hits, you know, uh, I, there was probably 15 songs that came on during the, the documentary that I sang to didn't realize I knew that many Bee Gees tracks. I also did not realize quite how massive Saturday Night Fever was. Um, I didn't realize at the time when it released, it was the single largest like selling album of all time, not soundtrack, but album ever at that moment in time. Uh, so just enormous. And they basically cut all of the gems on that on one demo, like uh, check these five tracks for your little movie. And it was, you know, staying alive. Uh, just literally every, every like jam and just the, the, the rise of disco, their role in it. And then the, the ostracization that they had post like disco sucks um, backlash. Uh, so as someone who was really more cognizant at the end of the eighties, than the beginning wasn't around and uh, certainly missed the seventies, but have caught the highlights. It was nice to get a deeper dive. Maybe for some of our older listeners, it's like a dumb moment, but it was really interesting. And if you like the Bee Gees, it's great. If you don't really think much about the Bee Gees, it's going to fascinate you and they pull in a lot of like contemporaries and, and huge historical figures in the way they they play into and and you know play off of huge names like you know Clapton and just all these people that they uh you know came in to contact with over their life Streisand like these people they have some profound impacts in all different ways it was really really interesting um and I think really well done and just fun to watch um so I went from that uh, to, I guess you could could argue this uh, is a show literally just about staying alive. Um, it's called P-Valley, and it is not one for the kids. Um, it's on stars. Um, the premise will probably throw some people off, but I'll say this. I'll, I'll just start and say it's about a Delta, Mississippi Delta Valley strip club and so basically it's an old juke joint the history if you're not familiar with it of delta blues and juke joints and the social you know stratification and, and why those exist in the history of them but like basically can't exist anymore it gets passed down and so the um son who is um you know the time when he inherits it is, is transitioning um in in uh uncle clifford is her name um which is a confusing set of words but uh uncle clifford uh goes to grandma and decides to switch it over to a strip club and it's all about it doesn't it's southern gothic right when you think faulkner and you think you know uh just drippingly like dark southern i mean i think in literary terms but it is truly a southern gothic masterpiece it has uh murder and money and and schemes and fast talking and interesting like no it doesn't glorify anything like it shows how but it shows how hard that life is and how physically unbelievably physical um some of the 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 parts of that life are and just the um you know the things that lead someone to 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 using that as a a ladder out of certain economic um scenarios and 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 you know it's interesting it's it's um a mostly almost entirely like african-american cast set in the mississippi delta valley and i read this incredibly glowing review about it in the guardian of all places so it's it seems to transcend somewhat bound so if you're hearing this and you say i don't know give it a shot watch a couple episodes it pretty early establishes the tone really witty really funny um a lot of like you know you're going to learn some words. Even if you think you're from Texas, you're from the South and you've heard some jargon, Mississippi has its own, um, just whole set of isms. Um, and I don't know, it's just something about like watching 
uh, last chance you in little corners of Mississippi and my, my wife's family comes from hot coffee, Mississippi, a tiny little town originally there. And so just like maybe that I've had some fascination with the state of Mississippi lately, but it, 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 it nailed it for me. I really, really love the first season. It was renewed immediately on stars for a second season. Uh, so I'll be checking that out, but uh, just binge the first season and it was great. Noted writing it down, taking notes. We'll see how it goes, but that, Brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. Brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Oh, I'm banging the drum on on quarterbacks. Um, so, the the most immediate news is that Vince Young is bike. Uh, he uh, is is back in the Forty Acres, back on campus. Has a little title, a special assistant to Chris Del Conte. We'll get to him in a moment. Um, but uh, back where he should be, right? I think uh, if you're recruiting kids out of Houston and you say the name Vince Young, I think it still rings out. I think he can help in all kinds of different ways. I'm curious to hear what his exact roles will be, but I I like what it means for Sarkeesian. Um, I like the idea of him believing in all kinds of, you know, second chances and bringing in alums and having them connect to the program and just all the things he's heard that maybe didn't work before that, that he's trying to start differently and work. And I'm just excited to have more Vince Young, back uh in our lives thank you vince for uh reposting our tweet or our our instagram story as well um so i guess we're friends uh and then also sam ellinger uh you know got the the opening touchdown of the senior bowl only got 10 throws in that game and then kellen mon on the other side got 25 and so i guess kellen mon won the mvp of that game but really i mean sam ellinger was just saving himself for the nfl kellen mon that's probably his last game ever i don't think either of those things are true but uh you know it, it was another quarterback time in an eight in a in a day of football now that there's no texas high school um football to watch there was some quarterbacking to enjoy and then finally the new quarterback the college football committee crystal conti named to the college football co- uh, you know selection committee which let me just tell you if you thought for all our Aggie listeners I know there's a lot of you out there um, your favorite team to talk about if you thought the burnt orange media conspiracy was bad before oh boy A&M is never getting in UT six losses college football playoffs here we come no I'm kidding um, Del Conte is without a doubt one of the most respected athletic directors in the country every athletic director no one has ever not liked him except fans who thought urban meyer was supposed to be our coach and they've you know quickly learned their lesson if you thought del conti was bad at his job you were completely and utterly wrong um he is literally literally one of the most respected humans in his profession by all of his peers and that's really how you judge if you're good at your job or not so i'm excited for him there was a couple other names that went on with him but i'm excited most of all for CDC to uh, to have a seat at the table. There's a burn orange media conspiracy happening, and so I'm fine. I'm fine with entrenching ourselves in it. So I'm banging the drum this week on why are we playing basketball, whether it's the professional level or at the collegiate level. I really brought this up because Shaka had his, his first presser today, Monday, as we record, uh, since coming back from COVID, and... I think you could tell how frustrated he was with everything that surrounded him. I think he's frustrated with getting COVID, obviously, and uh, uh, he said the symptoms hit him pretty hard, and so that obviously sucks, um, and we're glad that he's healing up, and we hope that there aren't any long-term ramifications from that. Obviously, that's that's our first thought. And Like we mentioned earlier, there was a day where Texas had three scholarship players at practice, and they had to play three days later. 
having and forcing really a team to play as if they have six scholarship players available seems crazy to me. That's really where my my qualm comes with, with the with the COVID response, right? Because I mean, Big 12 officiating being what it is, you could have two guys foul out seven seconds into the game. So <laughs> you're you got a walk on playing significant minutes in in Am I salty because Texas lost a game they shouldn't have because they didn't have a full complement of players or their head coach due to COVID plus bad officiating? Yes. But also, I think six players, especially, and let's, I'm just going to like be really, really honest with you. The It's in the Big 12's best interest to have its best teams closer to full strength, right? The Big 12 needs Texas, Baylor, Tech, all West Virginia, whomever comes out of it, but but the Big Twelve is is really garnered and created Kansas, maybe not this year, but Kansas. Um, they need the 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 top teams in the conference to have good resumes because they want to get as many teams in the tournament as possible. So putting them in a position where, and I understand like there are TV things that need to happen and there's monetary reasons behind having the games now, but from a national perception, I mean, and thankfully the AP voters, I think did the right thing and didn't really penalize Texas too much for that loss. But the simple fact that Texas saw its non-conference like marquee matchup canceled due to COVID, but had to play a terrible conference game with very few players and no head coach just seems absolutely asinine to me. And I'm still, and I think I'm going to be for a very long time and it's going to be another feather in the cap of the big 12 is terribly run in a lot of ways. Uh, for me, I'm just, I'm just going to continue to be salty about that. Man, you, you've gone to a, a level deeper of salt that, that I truly and totally understand and get, but I, I mean, I've had to like really struggle and wrangle a little bit in my own brain about the fact that we talk about sports during a pandemic and there's like a, a, a question, a, a like moral question. Should yeah. we even be playing sports right now? So I have, I have accepted it. I, I thought the bubble that the NBA did the first time, don't know why they're not was, was great. I understand, you know, uh, fans or not fans like, okay, but it's probably better to, to, to not um you know i i just think like should we even does it matter enough should we even be doing this let me tell you i have been so emotionally like it has been catharsis to watch sports and feel some sense of normalcy and watch ut and watch elite matchups so i get it there's like a a selfish joy i love it but you're you're a level deeper like i still just am at the point wrangling of like can I even get jazzed up about sports this year? You know what I mean? It, it helps because Texas is good at literally every sport this year. So that definitely helps. Well, and I think that's my point, right? Is like, should we be playing basketball? And if we should be playing basketball, should we be playing basketball as a team that has multiple people out due to COVID, including the head coach? Like that's, that's my yeah. point. It's like, it just, you're right. It just doesn't like, and we could talk about why the NBA is not in a bubble now versus they were in a bubble six months ago when COVID was actually somehow not as bad in the country. So like there's, <laughs> there's like a whole, there's several whole conversations. Like I love sports. I love getting to watch what's of the escapism in sports. This is something that you and I do pretty seriously. And so like, I get it. Like we want our escape. We want our pastime, especially uh, if we're doing the responsible thing and staying at home as often as possible, but just like give them a break. Like let's just, let's just, <laughs> Uh, it, whatever, it's fine. I'm not going to come to a resolution on that. Uh, but that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. You can check out my other podcast right now. We're doing weekly WandaVision kind of recaps, tinfoil hat episodes. So if you're watching WandaVision, come hang out with me uh, on Wednesdays. And me and Raymond will just talk nonsense at you about WandaVision. It's very fun. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, The Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook 'em. Hook 'em. But I'm GameStop. Stop.